Welcome to the One in One Podcast, where a below-average podcaster chats with an above-average athlete. I'm your host, Bridget B. Today's guest is one of my very best friends, Colleen Creamer, a two-time Philadelphia marathon runner. She's going to tell me all about the mindset of wanting to run a marathon, what the training regimen is like, and what her body feels like afterwards. Colleen, thanks for coming on the show. Hi, thank you for having me. Super excited to be here. Awesome. Yeah. Took me a little bit longer to ask you than it probably should have, but you're here. I'm here and I'm ready to answer. (laughs) Just a funny story about how we met. We went to the same college and we're at the same party early on freshman year. And I just hear someone yell, I'm from North Jersey. I like the Giants at someone. So being from the same part of New Jersey, I walk over and introduce myself. And uh, from there till now, we've been good friends. Yep, the rest is history, and now I'm married to an Eagles fan, so it's yeah, super it was, awkward. <laughs> I was about to say, you no longer root for the Giants, because uh, you're married to a diehard, and you live in Philly. Yep, I signed the contract, and I bought the jersey. It's, it's tough, it's tough. <laughs> <laughs> so, Colleen, you grew up in Wyckoff, New Jersey, as the oldest of four and the only girl. How did you like being the only girl? Well, I loved it, and I think it's because I'm the princess, and I have nobody to compete with in my household, and I'll always be the favorite because I'm the only girl. But also, having three brothers is super fun because there's never a dull moment. Um, Boys are also different than girls. They're always, like, fighting and, like, wrestling with each other, and there's always something interesting going on. Yeah, and how'd you like being the oldest? I like being the oldest because it really kind of made me a leader from even, like, at an early age. I really didn't have a choice. So I think being the oldest was was good in that aspect, but it was also terrible because my parents were a million times more strict with me than they were with my brothers. Yeah, you had to set the example. Right. I had to be the perfect one, and um, everyone else can get away with whatever they want. (laughs) Yeah, as the youngest, I was a follower, and I also got away with a lot because by the time my brothers were, or by the time I came around, my parents were tired from dealing with my brothers. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I see that right now. Like, my youngest brother, Dennis, is in college, and he can pretty much come and go as he pleases. My parents are way more lax with him than they were with me. He has no real set curfew. It's actually unfair. (laughs) You come from an athletic family. Your dad wrestled collegiately at Wilkes University in Pennsylvania. So was it him that got you into running? Yeah, so a little bit of my dad and a little bit of a good friend of mine. So I'll, I'll start with you know, being in an athletic household. So, yeah, my dad was a very intense runner, or a wrestler in high school and in college. It was really his life, um, something that really, really kind of, you know, brought him part of the community. So um, being an athlete was something that he really took with him even to this day. So he actually was a coach for a really long time for um, a club that's in North Jersey. Um, he participates in, like, a lot of the wrestling meets, like volunteering, um, and he also flies to go see, like, the big wrestling tournaments that happen every single year. So that's definitely a huge part of his life. Um, And also my three brothers, they wrestled, played basketball and ran track. So being in an athletic household, I kind of felt like, not that I didn't have a choice, but I felt like it was such a huge part of my dad's life that I wanted a big athletic part of my life as well. But um, what really got me into running uh, specifically was right before my freshman year, um, I had a friend, her name was Melanie Wilson, and she was a senior at the time, and I was just about to start my freshman year. 
And she basically said to me, Colleen, you're going to run cross country and you're going to like it. And I said, okay, because I was afraid of Melanie. (laughs) (laughs) So um, I pretty much was like, all right, like, let's do this. So I went to my first practice uh, for cross country and it was a four mile run out and back. And of course I got lost getting back to the school because I never ran before. I was slower than everybody else. And I wasn't as familiar with the Franklin Lakes area as I was with Bycoff and Franklin Lakes is where my, where my high school was. So I got lost on the way back. I found a random stranger who actually felt so bad for me that she drove me back to my high school. <laughs> That's um, my kind of cross country have... practice. Right. Exactly. Getting driven back. Um, my coach called my parents in a panic. I didn't have a cell phone on me. Um, pretty much everyone thought I wasn't going to come back to cross country and, um, I did. So good for you. I, I, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. So I ended up running cross country, um, every fall winter track in the winter. My, um, favorite race was the 800 meter run and then spring track in, uh, the spring, which I also did the 800 meter So I did that for all four years and, um, you know, I met a lot of great people through that. And, um, I'm so happy that Melanie forced me to join cross country when she did. That's an awesome story. Wow. Yeah. I actually, uh, use that story as one of my college admission essays about, you know, things, mistakes are going to happen, but you really do learn from them. Yeah, that's true. And not giving up because honestly, if I were you, I probably wouldn't have come the second day of practice. I was super embarrassed, but I was like, you know what? I didn't die, so I'm coming back. (laughs) Makes for a good story. You could only get better, right? Like, you couldn't have gotten any worse. Right, exactly. (laughs) And you attended Ramapo High School, known to have good sports teams. Was the track and field team and the cross-country team good as well? Yes, so we had a good team. Um, I would say our cross-country team at the time was better than track. We had um, some really, really elite runners for a very, very long time that ended up running in college um, very successfully. And um, I wouldn't say that we were as good as our football team because our football team um, was a powerhouse, but we, we we did pretty well as a team. Yeah, I think all of the sports did pretty well. Just thinking when I was in high school, the football team was good. The basketball teams, both girls and boys, the baseball, softball. Yeah, Ramapo is good at everything. Yeah. And then, you know, when you're on the cross-country or track team and you're, you're seeing, like, um, wins here and there for different meets versus, like, other um, schools, it's, it's really exciting to see that. Yeah, that's awesome. So in track, you mentioned that you ran the 800 meter. What exactly is that? What's the distance? So 800 meters is a, it's a half mile. So okay. it's a longer distance sprint. Um, so that's what makes it difficult. So you're going just as fast as you would for um, as like a 400, but you're going for a longer time. So it's a half mile. Wow. Yeah, so what's that, about two laps around the track going full speed? Yes, two full laps. Um, and then when you're doing indoor track, it's actually four. So during the wintertime, um, we actually would have all of our meets at the Armory in uh, Teaneck, New Jersey. And so it was an indoor uh, track and field uh, setup, and the circle was a little bit smaller, so you ended up running around it four times. Okay. Yeah, everyone that's uh, been on the podcast that has done winter track does mention that it's a smaller track, which makes sense since it's inside. 
Yes. And then another cool indoor track that we would go to would be the Armory in um, New York City. Oh, and wow. it kind of made you, yeah, it really made you feel like you're almost like in the Olympics because it's like a stadium setup. It's super, super nice. Like it, it's very, very cool looking. Wow. Nice. And did you have to practice outside? Yes, he did. And it was very cold. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. Running in the cold is not fun. No, it is not. So which sport would you say you liked better, cross country or track and field? I would say cross country for more personal reasons. I would say our team was much, much closer because it was a smaller group of people. We would have about maybe 40 people on the actual track team for both winter and spring. And then when it came down to cross country, it was kind of down to 20. So we all really got to know each other very well. I would compare it to like a family. So we would have pasta parties every Sunday night right before our meet. We all were very close with each other. Um, A lot of people dated each other. Um, (laughs) We all went to prom together. We were were a very tight-knit group of people. Wow, sounds like it. So I have to ask, we heard about your first day of cross-country practice. How did your first day of track practice go? It had to go better. You couldn't have gotten lost, right? (laughs) Much better. Much better than my first day of cross-country. I had my friends. I, I knew where I was going. I knew the area a lot better. It was a much more successful experience. <laughs> nice. So you do that all four years of high school. You didn't run cross country or track in college, but did you at any point want to? I thought about it, and then I quickly said no. Um, I did not want to run in college. I felt like um, college athletics was a little too competitive for me. I love the aspect of running. I love the people you meet while you're running, the community, the fun. I'm, I'm not in it to win meets. Um, and that's what I felt like college athletes were geared towards. Um, and so that's kind of what made me shy away from running in college. Okay. And I mean, look at it this way. You probably never would have met me if you ran in college. So it seems like it worked out. Very, very true. I feel like when you're on an athletic team, it's a sorority or a fraternity within itself. So, yeah, that could have been a possibility. <laughs> yeah, and I'm saying me, not your husband. That's another story. You might, you might not have met him, too. <laughs> very true. That's very, very true. But I'm better. No, I'm kidding. Yeah. Love, Dave. <laughs> you attend Bloomsburg University from 2009 to 2013. I obviously knew you and even lived with you for a few years. So I know you kept in shape and went to the gym a lot, but I can't remember if you ran a lot in college. Did you? I actually didn't. I kind of took a huge break when I was in college from running. Um, I still worked out. Like I kept in shape, like you said, but um, I kind of needed a mental break from running. It took a lot out of me, you know, doing three seasons of track for four years straight Uh, When I got to college, I kind of was like, you know what, we're going to take a little bit of a break from this. But I knew that it wasn't going to be a forever break. Okay. So at what point in your life did you get serious about running again? When I moved to Philadelphia right after college in 2013, I basically was like, I need to get back on the running train again. I missed it. I missed the way that I felt after running. I missed the way that just running brought joy and happiness to my life. So um, when I graduated, I got back on board on that fitness train, um, and I said, what would be a good attainable goal? So that's when I signed up for my first half marathon. 
So I started running around Philly. Um, I became familiar with like the tracks around there, the um, different courses, different areas to run. And what I noticed was that Philadelphia has a very, very intense and amazing running community. There's so many different groups um, within Philadelphia that are, that revolve around running. Um, it's very, very contagious, um, just all the different groups. So that's kind of what made me really fall in love with it again. So after running the 2014 rock and roll, I basically became addicted to running again. And then I ran about a half marathon for the next three years. And then after my last half, I pretty much decided that it was time to sign up for my first full marathon. I got the best time of my life during that half. I felt really good. And I said, you know what? The time is now. So what I decided to do was I joined the You Should Be Running Goals Fit Marathon team. So they're located in Manion, Pennsylvania, which is where I live. And basically, it's a six-month program for beginners, intermediate runners, and advanced runners. So I thought this was a good way to A, meet people, get myself accountable, and really get myself on the full program. Because halves are, is a great race. Running a half marathon is amazing, but the full is a whole different animal. And you need to you know, follow through with all the training follow through with all the long distances. It's really important. And I felt like joining a team would really help me with that. So with this team, we would meet every Tuesday night for track practice. So pretty much at track practice, she would have us do all the things that you wouldn't necessarily want to do by yourself. So that's, you know, mile repeats, hills, sprints, pretty much all like those those terrible track workouts that I was, I was used to having in high school that I would never do if I was just on my own. So it was really nice having that push from my coach, Casey. She would also host um, mini races with our team. So she would have check-in um, five-mile races, check-in three-mile races, and kind of really keep us in check with where we're supposed to be on our plan. So then um, she also had boot camps. Um, through not necessarily her running program. This is like her full-time job. She hosts boot camps. So I would do boot camps two to three times a week with her. Um, and then I would have Tuesday track practices. And then Saturday mornings was always designated for my long runs. And the team would meet up um, about a couple blocks from where I live, which was super convenient for me. And we would do anything between um, 12 to 20 miles during that um, long run program. So not everyone in that program was there to train to run a marathon? Correct. So some people signed up for the marathon program. Some people signed up for the half marathon program. And some people were just there because they liked coming to Tuesday night track practices. Okay. All right. So you could just go even if you weren't training for anything specifically. Correct. But Casey would always push you to try to sign up for something because it keeps you motivated. And so the training for the marathon for you, did you say that lasted six months? Six months. So it started in May and then it ended at the end of November. And I have to say the training was my favorite part of all of this. I made a ton of friends through my program. Um, some of these friends I'm going to have for the rest of my life. It was a great way to stay accountable, to be successful. Basically, the team counted on me to be there Tuesdays and Saturdays. And if I didn't show up, I felt very guilty. And that's what I needed to stay on track. There was also a lot of really hard parts of training. So, for example, running during the summer was super hard because it was a million degrees out. It was super humid. It'd be just terrible. So running in the summer was really hard. Um, waking up at 5 a.m. on a Saturday morning to either avoid the heat or be done with your long run at a normal time, that was super difficult. 
Wow. Staying hydrated, um, getting, making sure your hydration pack was ready to rock and roll for your run, drinking 160 ounces of water per day to stay on top of your hydration, but also staying calm and not being overwhelmed by the mileage was something that, you know, really helped me be successful because you on a Friday night before your long run are thinking about, oh my God, I have to run 17 miles tomorrow. And I've never done that before. It could be really stressful and it can kind of psych you out a little bit, but um, staying calm really, really helped me during the hard parts of my training. So on those Saturday morning runs, I'm assuming you had to build up to 20 miles. So what did you start with and what did you end with before the marathon started? So what was great, because the program was so long, um, it really kind of eased me into the mileage, right? So I would say I was pretty comfortable running up to 13, but it was getting past that 13 number is where it got really stressful. So we did our half marathon together as a team, and then the following week was 14, then it was 16, 17, 18, 20, and 20 was the longest that we would run for. And then after that 20, we would start tapering down. So it would go 20, 15, 13, 8, and then marathon. Oh, wow. See, that's interesting to me, not being a runner. I would think you would keep going up right until the marathon. Mm -hmm. So my coach always says that if you can run 20, you can run 26. Um, At that point, that is just the number that really, really is going to get you there mentally, but also without, you know, straining yourself. Um, I've heard of other programs that go up to about 22, but with ours, we only go up to 20. Okay. So the last week before the marathon, you only run eight miles. Correct. I guess that's good because your body's not going to be as tired. It's a little bit more rested for the marathon. But then I think, is your body not ready to run that mile, that, that marathon because you just ran eight. Is your body more going to go up to 10? Does that make sense? Yes. So everyone gets totally freaked out by taper time. Taper time stresses everybody out because they think that they're like, Oh my God, I only just ran eight last weekend. Like how am I supposed to run 26? So during this taper time, your body is healing itself. It's getting rested and it's gaining more energy. So during this time is really, really crucial for your body to get ready and prepare for marathon day. But I could see where you would be like, wow, like, like I, I feel scared. I feel not ready because I ran that 20 like four weeks ago. But with every marathon, there's always a taper time and it's super valuable and super important. Okay. Yeah. Now that you're saying that, that makes sense. Cause you're right. You trained for six months. So your body's definitely ready. Yeah, so your body's ready, your joints are ready, um, your muscle memory is ready. So at that point, once you get to that 20 miles, you can do the 26.2. Okay. Now, I know you travel a lot for work. So during those six months, I'm assuming you weren't home in Philly all that time. So would you exercise while traveling? So what I have the luxury with with my job is it's pretty flexible. So I would book my appointments around track practice. So I would try to be either home for my appointment by Tuesday at 6.30, or I would travel Wednesday morning so I could make my my Tuesday practice. So that was something that was really valuable and really, really helpful. I would say that I probably missed a handful of practices for work-related reasons, but I was able to make it to the majority. Okay, that's pretty cool. And 
the Saturday morning runs, I mean, you're busy. You have a life. Were there Saturdays that you couldn't do it? Yeah. So there's a few Saturdays where I couldn't do it, where I was either on vacation or I had prior engagements. So I would always have to look at my schedule ahead of time. And I would say, okay, I have something crazy going on Saturday. When can I get my long run in? So either I would do it early, early Friday morning to get it done before work, or I prioritize my life events around my long runs. Like I wouldn't book anything before 12 p.m. noon on a Saturday. Everything would either have to be after 12 p.m. noon. So that would give me time to shower, get ready, get my run done, and eat before doing whatever I would have to do that day. Wow, you're really committed. Thanks. (laughs) Now, during those six months, what changes to eating and drinking did you make? I made a ton of eating changes. So the hardest part for me was Friday nights, always date night with my husband, Dave. So I would have to watch what I was eating and watch what I was drinking the night before. So I would cut alcohol out on Friday nights completely, or I would only have one glass of wine. Um, I couldn't have anything too spicy or anything that would upset my stomach or else I would be feeling terrible the following day during my long run. I increased my water intake drastically. I was drinking about 160 um, ounces per day and um, just trying to stay as hydrated, keeping up with my calories as much as possible. So a lot of people try to cut calories, especially when they're trying to lose weight. But during marathon training, you actually have to eat more. Um, And I also added about, I think, 48 grams of protein into my diet per day. So the first time you run the Philadelphia Marathon is in 2017. Take me through that day. Okay. I will give you the lowdown. And (laughs) what's interesting about me is that I'm actually a creature of habit. So everything that I did on that marathon day, I did this past past marathon day. So basically, I would wake up at 5 o'clock. I would freak out and say, oh, my God, it's happening. It's happening today. Um, I would get my uh, clothes on, get my throwaway clothes prepared. Um, You always have to have throwaway clothes because you get so cold before the race and you get warmed up, so you have to, like, take them off, but you don't want to be freezing beforehand. I would put Vaseline everywhere. I would put it on my feet, my chest, my thighs. I would drink a small iced coffee. I would have my toast with almond butter, and then I would Uber down to the race with my teammates. Typically, we would get there 40 minutes before go time. Um, It was raining this past um, marathon and the marathon before. So we actually didn't want to be outside for too long. So we try to get there as close to the start time as possible. Start time was seven o'clock AM. We would get there, we would look for our corral, we would use the restroom, I ate half a protein bar, and then we would get to our corral to get ready to go off. So what they do is they split you up into different colors So not everyone's going at the same time. And this avoids people trampling over each other and being super stressed. So um, we would get to our corral. So I'd start taking my throwaway clothes off, which was like an old pair of leggings, an old pair of sweatshirts, some old gloves. And you don't get those back, right? Sorry to interrupt you. I just have a quick question. Mm -hmm. So you don't get those clothes back. But what's really nice is they donate all the clothes to charity. So anything that that you throw away, they'll wash and then they'll give it to the Salvation Army. Oh, that's really nice. Yeah, so I don't feel too, too bad about just throwing it away because I know it's going somewhere nice. Mm -hmm. 
So then it's go time. Um, you know, you're running, you're going through the city, you're super excited. Um, what's really, again, exciting about Philadelphia is that everybody is out cheering you on. It's, it's super just amazing to see everybody that's out in the cold, out in the rain, cheering you on, so excited for you. Um, then I'll get to mile five, and that's when I'll have my first goo packet. So um, goo packets contain caffeine, amino acids, and sugars. So it's really good to help you while you're going through your run. So about every five miles, I would take a goo packet to stay, um, to have the caffeine help me, have the amino acids help me, and also have the easy sugars to break down so my body doesn't get depleted. Um, and then after mile five, that's when I start looking for friends. So I had some friends in Center City that were um, at mile six, seven, and eight. So it was exciting and fun looking out for my friends. Um, it kind of distracts you a little bit, um, and it helps the time go by when you're looking for people. So having support and friends and family out and about on the course is super, super crucial to have. And then um, I would get to 13.1, which is the half marathon point and I would eat an applesauce packet, and then I would take two Advils to help with inflammation. So something that I realized from the last time I ran the marathon was I felt, I, you start to feel pain at a certain point, and you start to get a little bit inflamed, and so the Advil really helps with that, and the applesauce is good sugars to eat while, and good carbs to eat while you're running, so your body isn't getting depleted of that. Now, all these things that you're mentioning about eating the applesauce, the goo packets, I'm assuming you're not holding on to them. So are they set up throughout the race, like stations? So I actually do hold on to them. So oh, I have really? a flip belt. Mm -hmm. So I had a flip belt on me, which is basically a belt that is very flat to your stomach, and it has pockets in there. So I kept my headphones in there. I kept some Advil. Um, I was able to slide my applesauce packet in there and also had four goos. But throughout the course, people were handing out goos as well. Okay. And it doesn't bother you? Like, they're not bouncing around in there? I feel like that would distract me. What's really cool about the flip belt, and this isn't an ad, but it stays <laughs> very close to your body, and it's pretty tight, so it doesn't move around. It's stations, and it keeps everything in one place. Oh, okay. That's cool. Yeah, it's really easy to access. I highly recommend it. Um, actually, Megan and I, uh, my friend who ran the marathon with me, we both just got our flip belt at the Cherry Blossom 10-miler in May, and it was like the best purchase we ever, we ever decided to get. We literally use it so much, and we've gotten so much use out of it during this training cycle. Nice. So then after 13.1, um, we would start the friend search again. So um, my teammate Megan and I had friends at mile 14 and 15. So we would start looking around for our friends again to kind of keep us distracted a little bit while we're running. And then after 14 and 15, that's when we get excited for the best part of the race, which is Maniac. So Maniac is the town that I live in. And all of my friends, my family, um, and my teammates and the people that were um, that are part of the Philadelphia community, they're all in Maniacs cheering you on. So I would describe Maniacs during the Philadelphia Marathon as a gigantic party. People are handing out beer. Um, some of the runners take the beer. I did not. Um, people are just dancing around to live music. There's DJs. Like, people are going nuts. So the whole second half of the race, I'm preparing myself to get to Maniacs. I'm like, this is where I need to be. This is going to be the best part of the race. It's something really to look forward to. So that's what really got me to mile 20. So when you get to mile 20, again, I saw all my friends. I saw all my family. I was super excited. I had tears of happiness. 
I was just literally so thrilled to be at that area and at that stage. But that's when the hard part begins. When you leave Maniac, um, you have six miles left. Um, there's not a lot of cheerleaders. Um, it was a pretty terrible weather day. So when you get onto the last strip, there's not as many people cheering you on, which kind of is hard and it gets in your head a little bit. Because at least when there's a ton of people out cheering you on, you don't want to stop. They, they're getting you pumped up. But when it's a little desolate, that gets a little hard. So I just kept saying to myself, stay calm, stay cool, stay confident. Staying calm is the biggest thing because if you get yourself all worked up saying, oh, my God, I have six miles left. Like, what if I don't finish? Everything hurts. That's when you start psyching yourself out. So I just kept telling myself to stay calm, stay cool, stay confident. Then it started to sleet (laughs) and snow and freezing rain. Um, So that got really hard with the last two miles left. And then I finally finished, and I immediately looked for my family, and then I started searching for food. And it's really nice because at the finish line, they have chicken broth for you, soft pretzels, bananas, all that good stuff. So I got all the food, I found my family, and then we got out of there because it was freezing out. So then um, I got home, I took a hot shower, took more Advil, and then I met all of my friends at Ryan's Pub. Nice. And um, just to mention, I was there. I went to the 2017 and 2019 race. Not that I ran in it, but I was in Maniac at the party, as you described it, cheering you on. And it was a lot of fun. It was just the best. And also having you there was super special. And having, you know, just the support from all of our friends and from the family, it really, really mentally helped the runner get to the finish line, knowing that everyone's there, everyone's counting on you to finish, everyone's supporting you to finish. It's honestly one of the best feelings in the world. So, yeah, so we all met up at a bar after, and I had the biggest burger of my life. It was delicious. And then um, afterwards, I just tried to keep moving until about 8 o'clock p.m. Because if you stop moving immediately after, so say you come home and you sit on your couch and you watch TV for the rest of the day, you're going to lock up and you're going to be in a lot of pain. So I just kept moving. (laughs) (laughs) And a cool thing, when you ran in 2017, your first marathon, your dad ran a few miles with you, didn't he? So it was actually way more than I expected him to. So my dad, he runs, but he doesn't run super long distances. So it was actually pretty great that he was able to, he met me at mile 15, and he ran all the way to 20 with me, and then back to the finish line. So he ended up running 11 miles that day. (laughs) Wow, that's nuts. I gave him some crap this past year, a few weeks ago. I was like, what, you're not running this year? <laughs> and he said, oh, no, no. He was like, that was a one and done. Yeah. It was really funny. They actually, um, they gave him a medal or tried to give him a medal. And he's like, I can't take this. And they're like, well, didn't you just run the marathon? He's like, no. And he just kept walking. <laughs> oh, that's like such a your dad thing to do, not take it because he didn't run. He's like so honest and nice. So honest, so honest. (laughs) He's the best. (laughs) So you mentioned about uh, you had to keep moving. So did you keep moving until 8 p.m. and then you went to bed? Yeah. So what I did was I went to, um, I I was out with some friends for a while. I didn't want to sit down. Um, Everyone was sitting in seats. I just kept standing, bopping around. Um, I saw some of my teammates. I hung out with them for a while. my other best friend Paige, uh, we were hanging out for a while as well. So I just kind of kept my body active and I didn't sit down for a long period of time. 
Um, when I got home, it was probably around 8 o'clock. I took some more Advil. I used one of these uh, massage devices on my legs because my legs were starting to get a little sore. And then Just I went starting? to bed probably. I would think they'd be sore all day. It, it really started hitting, and I think it was the Advil wearing off, to be completely honest with you. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, um, so, yeah, and then I went to bed around 9 o'clock, I would say, and then um, sleeping was actually very difficult that night, and I think it's because of all the adrenaline that was still going through my body. Um, I had a really bad night's sleep, um, and this is actually typical with a lot of runners when they do a marathon because – your body is just kind of in shock from what just happened to it. And so the adrenaline takes a really long time to wear off. So I actually slept a lot better the following night. Okay. Now what's the day after the race like for you? So the day after was extremely difficult. Um, I was very, very stiff and I was very, very sore. So um, our teammates and I, we decided to go get brunch and, we try to keep moving around. So we didn't want to stay stable. We wanted to keep walking around. So we got brunch in the city. We walked around for a little bit. And then um, we came back to our town where we continued to walk around a little bit. We stopped to go see our coach. We went to go say hello to her. And then I probably came back to my house around 3 o'clock p.m. And that's when I decided to have some downtime. So, you know, turned on the Netflix, kept drinking a lot of water. I kept taking some Advil. Um, so the the first day after the marathon was really, really rough. Um, the day after was much, much better, which was great. So I woke up um, on Tuesday, still a little bit sore, but I felt much better. And I assume your body needs a long break after running a marathon. How long until you exercise again? So I'm going, today is day seven for me, actually, from when I ran the marathon. And I'm actually going to go back to working out tomorrow. I miss it. My body needs it. And I, I it's definitely working out is definitely an addiction because the break was needed, but I'm ready to go back to working out. Um, I don't think I'm going to do any long distance running for at least another month, but I'm going to go back to doing my HIIT workouts, my boot camp, my spin, all of that good stuff. Okay. Now from 2017 to 2019, You take a year off and you don't run the Philly Marathon in 2018. You were a little busy planning a wedding and getting married. But what was it that made you want to do it a second time? So it's so funny that you said that. So I I ended up running the Philadelphia Half Marathon that year because I felt like that was an attainable goal for how busy I was with my wedding and travel and work and all that good stuff. So. I set my goal for the year to run the Philadelphia half. I ran the half. Um, I ran super well. Um, I was really happy with my time. And then the following day was the Philadelphia full marathon where I went to go cheer on all my teammates. And I had the worst FOMO, fear of missing out ever. So my other teammates and I were cheering on the marathon team. And I just, I got very emotional. I was, I was super jealous. I was like, I wish I was doing this today. And that's when I knew that I had to do it again. (laughs) And did you keep the same training regimen in 2019 that you had in 2017? It actually, I would say my training was a little bit different. So I did the same program with Casey, but I incorporated more strength training this time around. 
So I felt like I did too much cardio the first time, and I was doing, um, you know, my track practices, my long runs. I was doing a lot of spin. I was doing, like, a lot of cardio-based working out. And this time around, I incorporated more kettlebell workouts, some weight, um, body strength training, um, things like that. And I think that really made the difference because my time was 23 minutes better than it was the first time. Nice. Yeah, I guess you do need that muscle strength so the muscles don't break down on you. Exactly. So which Philly Marathon did you like better? 2017 because it was your first or 2019 because you had the better time? I would say, can I say both? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, sure. It's your answer. So both are very special to me in different ways. So the first time was just I named that as one of the best days of my life because I accomplished such a humongous goal. And, you know, you doubt yourself and you're like, can I do this? Can I make this? And finally being able to do it was just like the most proud I've ever been of myself. And also having my dad with me, that was super special. But then this time around, I just felt, I physically felt like I was in the best shape of my life. I felt like I worked so hard. And being able to see that transcribe into a better time was just an amazing feeling as well. So I I don't think I could pick one. They're both very different races. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, when you say that you you felt like you were in the best shape of your life, I'd have to agree. Now, I can't remember what you looked like at Mile 20 in Maniunk in 2017. But this past year, in 2019... You, we, we mentioned it. All of our friends were talking about it. You looked so good. You looked like you had just started running. It was amazing. Oh, well, thank you. I was just so happy to see everybody because when things started getting hard during the course, I kept saying, all right, we got to get ourselves to Maniac. We got to get ourselves to our friends. Like, let's get ourselves there. Um, so I, I was just super happy to see everybody, but I felt really good. <laughs> nice. That feeling when you cross the finish line, that must be a feeling unlike any other. It was honestly the best feeling in the entire world because the last two miles were so terrible with the sleet and the hail that I was just like, thank God we're done. Now, I have a weird question for you. When you run a marathon, it takes a few hours, right? I imagine at some point you have to use the restroom. Do you stop and use it? I imagine there has some porter potties along the way. Mm-hmm. So there are porta potties all throughout the course, which is great for the runners. They have porta potties. They have um, stations in case you get hurt, like if you need a band aid or if you need Vaseline, all of that good stuff. Somehow, I have never had to use the restroom during either of the marathons. Wow. I had to stop during a ten miler twice, but that was that was it. Just there's something in your body where you go into fight or flight mode and you just don't have to use the restroom. It's very, very odd. Do you have another race lined up this year? So I have a few races that I historically do every year. So I'll always do the Broad Street 10 miler, which is in May. Um, It's a lottery race. So basically, I don't know if I'm going to get chosen for it. And if I don't get chosen, I'll run it for charity. So I didn't get chosen. um, I think it was about four years ago where I didn't get picked. And I ended up running for Back on My Feet, which is a charity to help the homeless get um, up and running again. And I was able to raise $1,100 for that. So if I don't get picked, I'll run it for charity. Um, I always do the Philly 10K. That's in August. 
Um, I might do the cherry blossom 10 miler, uh, I think that's April. Um, and again, that's a lottery as well. But is that um, the one that's in I, DC? Yes, yes, very it's cool. in DC, and you run through all the cherry blossoms by the monuments. It's a very, very beautiful race. And then I just signed up for the Chicago Marathon lottery, and I'll oh, wow. find out on December 12th if I got in. So, wow, and when I, would that be? Next October. Okay. Wow. So my, my last question for you is going to be, are you going to run another marathon? But you are. Wow. So it's a goal of mine to run one of the majors. Um, and then the majors are uh, Boston, Chicago, New York, Tokyo, Berlin, and London. And I think it would just be an amazing experience to run at least one of them. So my teammates and I, we actually went out on Tuesday night after the marathon and we had a wear your metal happy hour. And we just all looked at each other. We said, wouldn't it be funny if we all just, you know, got into Chicago. So a few of us signed up for it and uh, we'll find out on December 12th if we made it. As you know, Chicago is my favorite city. So maybe I'll have to come and support if you make it. I feel like you'll have to. I feel like it's tradition now. You're my yeah, number really. one I'll have to drag out all our friends, too. <laughs> I think that sounds like a lot of fun. <laughs> I think it would be awesome, actually. Yeah, so let's cross our fingers that I get picked. But if not, I'll find something else to do. Okay, all right. And, you know, being from New Jersey, I know you said you want to run at least one of the majors. I have to think New York would be cool for you. New York would be absolutely incredible, but the chances of getting picked for New York is very, very slim. So there is an 18% chance of you getting selected from the lottery. And um, if you have to run for charity, I think the minimum amount you have to raise is, um, I think it's like a couple thousand dollars. I can't remember exactly on the top of my head. So it's very, very difficult to get into. Uh, With Chicago, there's a 50% shot of you getting picked. So there's a higher percentage of me getting into Chicago rather than New York. But uh, my game plan is if I don't make it into Chicago, I'm going to try the lottery in February for New York. Cool. And would you go overseas and, and do one of the international ones? I would absolutely love that. I think my husband would murder me. Uh, <laughs> um, my, my theory is never say never. All right. And again, I feel like your cheering squad would have to come support. <laughs> I agree. I agree. <laughs> and Colleen, I don't tell you this often, but I'm super proud of you. I think what you've accomplished is so awesome. That is the nicest thing ever. Thank you so much. And I like to end the show with some fun questions. So you ready to go? Let's do it. All right. What are you currently binge watching? Um, Outlander on Netflix. Okay. So you're going to text me later tonight or tomorrow and be like, you have to watch Outlander. Yeah, that's pretty much how it goes. Pretty much whatever I'm watching, I fully bridge it into watching as well. <laughs> I Really bully. It's pretty mean. It's very aggressive, and I check in to make sure she's doing what I told her to do. <laughs> and then sometimes she's like, well, I'm busy. And I'm like, well, stop what you're doing and watch whatever show that I'm watching. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much it. But a couple of years ago, you had gave me suggestions, and I didn't take them right away. Like, I was going to get to it. And then you would get so mad because someone else would tell me, and I would then watch it, and you would lose your mind. Yeah, that pretty much I would just lose my marbles. <laughs> Game of Thrones rings a bell. 
yeah, yeah, just saying that that was my idea first, so. <laughs> All right, so you recently went on a trip to Ireland and Germany. I'm super jealous, you know that. What were some of the coolest parts? The coolest part for me was seeing my husband experience Ireland the first for the first time. So we're both 100% Irish, um, and it's really important, I think, for people to go back to where, you know, their family's from, really research their heritage. So for me, watching my husband just experience Ireland for the first time was just the best. We went to the Cliffs of Moher, which was just incredible to see. We went to um, the Guinness Factory, which was super fun. We went to a bunch of famous golf courses because my husband's really into golf. So pretty much there was like a little bit of something for everybody on the trip, which I was really happy to see. That's awesome. And you went to Germany during Oktoberfest. That's pretty cool. Yes. So Dave and I flew over to Germany from Dublin, um, and we met up with our friends, Matt and Megan, and we did the whole Oktoberfest experience. We dressed up in our dirndl and our lederhosen. We ate the German food. We danced. We sang. We had a blast. Very cool. And for myself, I'm not 100% Irish, but I'm up there. I need to go to Ireland. So next time you and Dave go, give me a call. Yes, let's do that because my goal is to try to make it to Ireland either every other year or every year for as long as I possibly can. Wow, that's nuts, but I'm in. <laughs> let's do it. <laughs> I'll third wheel. I don't care. I have no shame. I feel like we're a good couple, too, to third wheel with. We're not super weird and make you feel creepy. No, not at all. All right, Colleen, last question. The holidays are coming up. And I know you are kind of a Grinch. Do you have a favorite holiday movie? My favorite holiday movie is, it has to be Elf. I I feel like you can't watch that and be sad. It is the (laughs) happiest, funniest movie for Christmas in the game. It is a good movie. You don't like Christmas because it overshadows your birthday. Exactly. My birthday's on December 17th, so it's dangerously close for Christmas. Everyone is either too busy with their Christmas holiday parties or their Christmas shopping to spend any birthday time with me. I'm just kidding. But (laughs) I am a little bit of a Grinch when it comes to Christmas. My birthday's over Labor Day, so everyone's always out and about, never there to celebrate me. So I do get it, but still, you're the only person I know that doesn't like Christmas. It's growing on me. It's nice giving. That's fine. It's just, it just takes away from the birthday thunder. That's all. <laughs> Colleen, I had such a blast doing this. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me and for also thinking of me. This was so much fun, and um, I hopefully can do this again sometime soon. Yeah, run another marathon, and then I'll have you on. I'll give you the breakdown of Chicago if I get picked. Oh, you you know I'll be there. (laughs) Oh, good, good, good. All right. And I'll probably end up texting you right after the podcast. So uh, I'll I'll talk to you shortly. All right. Sounds good. All right, everyone. That was my chat with Colleen Kramer. I hope you enjoyed it. She's one of my best friends, and I'm super proud of her. I'll be back next week to speak with another outstanding athlete.